You were doing some top secret recording today with a certain chef. How did that oh, go? No, no, not top secret at all. So I told you I'm doing a cooking series because I think most people maybe overinflate how challenging cooking is. And that's certainly it's a skill and I don't want to take anything away from the top chefs, but I think we could really empower people to enjoy food, enjoy better quality food if we teach them how to actually do it in a really simple way. So, you know, I love this this idea of leveraging my platform and my relationships to bring on, you know, some of the top chefs in the world and teach some of their simplest recipes that are meat and vegetables, meat, vegetables, fats, right? So, and you know, I'm not attached to being keto, but I think meats, vegetables, you know, even animal or sorry, um, organ meats, I think all these things we get a simple recipe from all these amazing chefs and give people give it to people in five to seven minutes or less, I think that it's a really, really powerful opportunity that exists in front of us, especially in the fitness industry, right? So simple, very few ingredients, like seven ingredients or less and meat, vegetables, fats, that's it. Uh, so that was the idea. So we're here in Sydney and Chef Pete Evans, who's evidently, now that I know, is like a rock star over here. Mm-hmm. I, d- I had no idea, right? Like I know, obviously, you know, he's, he's famous and popular, but he's literally like rock star. I was super blessed to go to his place and we cooked two amazing recipes. And you're just like, man, that was literally seven minutes and some of the greatest food I've ever had in my life. So we obviously start with really high quality ingredients, but literally, you know, steak, steak tartare took minutes. And I think giving people that is so empowering when people say, I don't have time. I have to eat this things quick, right? Mm-hmm. My, my objective, like how can we put together 20 to 40 recipes that people can do in literally no time flat, knock it out. And now we have no excuses as to why we need to eat junk. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I know, obviously I know of Chef Pete because having been in the sort of paleo world for a while, he's a big figure there too in North America as well as Australia. And I always thought, we don't need to get too too deep into this, but I always thought it was interesting. I don't know him personally, but he would get like a little bit of flack for maybe having what people thought, I guess, because he because he got so mainstream that the mainstream thought that he had some sort of kind of extreme views. And the only thing I've ever seen him talk about is eating like whole food and real food and, and sort of just very, what I consider normal kind of approaches to eating in life. So right. I, I, I don't know. So we I guess talked about that actually. Yeah. He, he's getting a lot of thought from like the, the Australian government or like the equivalent of the, you know, Australian version of the FDA. And it's because he's perpetuating like, hey, you don't eat vegetable oils. You don't eat grains. You don't need to eat all these carbohydrates. It's all nonsense. And so he's getting all of these huge, I mean, you'd imagine how many billions of dollars exist in those large corporations to just literally hire, writer, hire writers and hire magazines to, to bash the guy, right? Yeah. That's really what they're trying to do is discredit him because you know he's really doing something great. And that's why him and I aligned and we're like, hey man, we have very similar views on this stuff. And you know, we're not delusional about the fact that everyone's gonna eat this way. Cause it's I don't think it's even I mean, maybe hopefully it's possible, but who knows? But most people will continue to eat the way they, they eat, but we want to empower people to simplify it. So if you actually want to improve your fitness and your health, well then now you have a very simple skill set or a very simple tool base to be able to actually do it. We get along. It's literally, and, and like, or it's funny because our meals literally sound identical, and especially for our kids. It's like, hey, it's, it's, you know, mostly meat, a lot of vegetables and a lot of fat. And yeah. like that kind of simple, right? And he has a really unique uh, thought process around how to eat for the season. So in the summertime, he's looking for things that are, you know, more of a chef's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking for things that are a little bit more light and the things a little more, a little more citrusy and a little more flavorful. In the wintertime, we're looking for things a little more hearty and like more soups and more stews. And like, dude, that makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. And I love that perspective. 
So yeah, so those videos, my objective is to record 20 to 24 YouTube videos and create a YouTube series for everyone listens, that listens to the podcast with the best chefs around the world. And you know, under this this pretense of what can we do in seven minutes or less with, you know, certainly under 10 ingredients and my, my objective is seven great ingredients or less. So we really simplify it because ultimately I want it for myself. And I think millions of people out there would want it for themselves. And, you know, he was just so gracious to invite us into his home and it was awesome. That's awesome. That is very exciting. I think the other cool thing about that, like the simplicity that you're saying that under seven minutes, because one of the things that I've found just being a, a lover of food my entire life, but talking to lots of chefs and, and recipe developers and stuff is that there's certainly a time and place for like really fancy multi-day complex meals. And that's fine. But for most of us, and even people who are really well-trained and really high level chefs, they like things to be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated to be good. And, you know, I get these questions questions all the time on social media because I'm always talking about my organ meats and people are like, well, how do you cook it? What do you do? How do you do it? What do you do? I'm like, I don't have a recipe for you even because I just like, I just cook it. I just put it in a cast iron skillet and then I eat it. Like I, there's really not much more to it. Sometimes there is, but I mean, generally speaking, like you said, it's like you start with good ingredients and there's really not much you have to do after that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think the, the big thing is like, if you're having, like you say, an extravagant dinner with and you're cooking for other people, then let's make it, you know, an event. Let's make it something that's social. Let's make it fun. Let's make it really extravagant. But most people are eating that way all the time. Most people are like, Hey, I've got 15 minutes to eat. I don't have a lot of time. I've got some good, decent ingredients. What should I do? I think that is kind of a niche that needs to be filled. I'm sure there's other people out there doing it. I just don't pay attention to them because most of them aren't kind of obeying my ingredient laws. You know, like certain ingredients I'm not touching. You know, I'm certainly not going after, I'm not going to consume corn and soy and wheat and grains and all these things. And I'm like, you know, none of that stuff appeals to me. So how do I learn effective cooking methods for good quality ingredients, high fat meals, meat based with an array of fresh vegetables and that's just kind of the preface, the preface of it, and yeah. So I think it's I think it's a worthwhile endeavor that I'm hoping most people will appreciate. And if anyone listening sounds like this is a good plan, just give us a shout out on social media. And if you have any recipes you'd like to send, mm. I definitely love to explore. Awesome. Since you're in Australia, have you ever eaten kangaroo? Oh, often. I even eat it when I'm in the U.S. Um, okay, it's yeah, just I was lean say, I, yeah, it's a little. It's almost like too lean. Like you've seen those buff kangaroos with all their like crazy shoulder muscles. Like they're almost not. Like they're so lean. It's like not quite as good as other cuts. But it's it's interesting. Nick literally just got back from the grocery and he goes, "I got 99% lean steak," and it literally looks like nothing but tissue. There's yeah. no fat in it whatsoever. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of like a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. So how is Australia so far? You've you've been there a couple of days now? Yeah, only a couple of days. Uh, yeah. It's been fantastic. And, and you know, the, the gym we're, that we're training at is um, amazing. We went to a different gym today. So we've been to Kingdom Gym, which is in Brookville. We went to Titan Gym today, which is somewhere south of the city. Super, super nice. People are so hospitable, so kind and so welcoming. And uh, it's been awesome. The camps are doing really well as far as sales. Sydney's doing, I think, almost sold out, if, if not sold out. Melbourne's very close. Melbourne's next week. And the week after is Bali. I know we've still have some spots for Bali. And I'd love to have some of our listeners join us in Bali for you know five, well, four days plus of amazing conversation, amazing food, and blowing your mind with muscle building information. Obviously, Dubai was last week. And it was so awesome to teach with Milos. I mean, my content's so different than it's ever been in the past. And I think everyone left there with an amazing, amazing skill set and amazing experience. And, you know, Milos's passion is unbelievable, right? Like when he's done training the, these clients through the workouts, he's sweating as much as they are, you know, and he's just like so into it and so committed to their success. And I think that goes sometimes unnoticed in our fitness industry is so many trainers are 
taking your money and have no attachment to your success. And Milos is kind of known for saying things along the lines of, you can do really well at this and you know, you can go to the Olympia, you can go, you can get your pro card and people say, oh, you know, I don't know. He's like, get out, like leave. If, you, if you're not committed to that level, I don't want to work with you. And I say that all the time to anyone who signs up, like if anyone's ever been on a call with me to say, you know, hey Ben, I want to work with you. It, my, the thing is, if I care about your success more than you do, we're not right for each other because you know, I want everyone in my my stable to succeed. I want everyone to just crush it. And if you're not willing to do that and your and your vision isn't that clear, it's not that grand, I don't think you should take it personally. I'm not gonna take it personally. We're just not right for each other because I want people who are just, you know, willing and, and eager to crush. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is just sort of top of my mind, and you mentioned Milos, and I just watched the Super Bowl and I watched J Lo, the halftime Super Bowl. And so I'm thinking about age and training and fitness and how we place ourselves in these boxes of what we expect from people of certain ages and how ridiculous and sort of self-sabotaging that is. And, and this is something I think you talk about a lot is that the things that you tell yourself about yourself is what's going to manifest, right? So if you tell yourself that I'm I'm over the hill now or I'm past my prime or I'm getting old and so I can't do these things, that's what's going to happen. But you see people like him and you see J-Lo looking just ridiculous at 50 years old last night and, and you know, it makes you start to feel silly about feeling like, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm not 22 anymore. I kind of feel like whatever, I should start slowing down. And I think it's just super impressive the people who who don't let these arbitrary kind of rules slow them down or tell them what they should be doing. It's just super impressive. Milos is 56 and there's so many levels to that, Ash. It's like, so his his standard of training and his standard of nutrition when he was an athlete was so far above everybody else that for him to go at 3% or 30% of, of what he was before, he's still, I would say, exceeding 90% of professional bodybuilders and certainly the physique athletes and, and, and you know, whatever, men's physique, et cetera, just with what he's doing now. Standards, right? That's a big, big part of it. Another thing that Dr. Huberman said to me that I think would be very relevant to the listeners, and this was still boggles my mind to think about this, very simple, but yet profound, very, very important to think about is you know, he has, and I'm not going to quote him on this, but something to the effect of, we all can live in two places at once. You can live in the now and the past. You can live in the now and the future. You can live in the in the future and the past. And he said, most people live in the past and the future, and not in the present, right? So if you're thinking about the past or you're thinking about the future, you're not optimizing this moment. And so what he suggests is you live in the now and the, and the here and the now, right? So the now and the now and not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future. You, you can certainly go there and conceptualize, well, that's my goal and that's where I'm going. And you can certainly think about the past as something that maybe I don't want to do again. I don't want to repeat, but you know, that's not always the best idea. But if you live in the here and the now, you end up optimizing this moment and that's all you can do. And that's the simplicity of life. Is It's not profound. It's just... You know, like, hey, man, the only thing I control is am I actually giving my all in this exact moment? And if I'm thinking about something other than this, I'm not. And 99.9% of people you meet can never give their all because one, they're not focused. Two, they don't practice like anything else in life. Like, you know, your workouts or your your ability to write or your ability to read requires practice. You're not going to go from you know, a relative amateur or with, with someone with terrible focus to someone who's a, who's a rock star overnight, it takes daily diligence, you know? So if I want to be, become really good at something, I need to first just focus on doing my best in this exact moment. And that's the only thing I can control. And hopefully my thing, my best today is better than my best yesterday. And I control those variables that 
kind of confound on that. You know, that's the simplicity of you know, that statement you're making there is stop thinking about how old you are. Who gives a shit? Who, who cares what you looked like in the past? Who cares what you felt like in the past? The only thing you control is, hey, am I doing things right now that are great, that are you know, contributing to my greatness? Have I created a list of unconscious habits that are going to support that greatness? That's it. And I've been, I've really been thinking deeply about this and I've been meditating quite a bit since being in Dubai. And I've got this theory now. I'm sure there's other people out there who have already come to this theory, but I'm looking and I haven't found it yet. So any of the listeners, if you find something like this or if you've read something like this, please let me know. But it's this neurotransmitter view of personality, right? So you have all these people going after like mindset, like we're going to improve your mindset. I think mindset's fucking bullshit. I think it's a joke. I, I don't think it's something you can physically change. I think mindset is a result of the neurochemistry that exists in your brain. So if you're someone who's lacking some neurotransmitters and you physically can't get there, you literally you don't stand a chance against your mindset. If you wake up in the morning and you've got this huge brain bath of cortisol, but you can't have a positive mindset. If you have any issues in your dopamine system, well, chances are you're not going to be chasing rewards. If you have any issues in your serotonin system, whether it be your gut or your brain, you're not going to feel good about yourself. You're not going to feel a sense of accomplishment. And so looking at this neurotransmitter view of life, I think we can really start to understand how to create what people will call a mindset. And that requires not positive thinking, right? It requires action to change your brain, to change the neurochemistry. Like what can we do to make our brain work better, to have less cortisol, to have more dopamine, to have more acetylcholine and more serotonin kind of perpetually. And there's a certain list of habits that we know that can give us this positive cascade of neurotransmitters, right? So if I sit down and I feel grateful, gosh, that gives me this feeling of, of, of endorphins and anandamide and all these things that are going to make me feel really good. And if I, if I go for a walk when I'm done, I have this sense of reward. And that's dopamine. I want to eat really well. I get dopamine. I want to eat like shit. What do I get? Cortisol, right? So it's just like this brain stew that you get to literally pick every day. And if you're doing things that are working toward positive reward and, and uh, positive mindset, positive feeling, and we use that word mindset, positive feelings in your brain, well, you get those positive rewards and that becomes your default state. And if you get the, if you're always doing the things that fall short or you're not doing well enough or you're always negative, well, that creates a certain neurochemistry that your brain just, you know, you're not so happy anymore. And eventually that becomes a default and, and that's a shitty place to live. So I've really been thinking deeply about this. And like I said, there's probably someone out there who's uh, already well, well further along in this conversation than I am. I've actually reached out to Dr. Huberman to ask, but you know, th this concept of a neuro neurochemistry of the mind rather than the brain. So meaning your brain creates the mind, maybe. And the mind, therefore, maybe creates the brain. But Yeah, I mean, this this makes me think of a book that I've been reading lately that I've been telling everyone to read, and I actually told you about it, too. I'm sure you'll, you're adding it to your list, The Body by Bill Bryson. And there's a quote in there somewhere that said, life is just an endless chemical reaction, which I thought is actually kind of romantic a little bit, but it's also super nerdy. But there's something there, like what you're talking about, where it's sort of like a chicken and the egg scenario, too, because I think when a lot of people hear people talk about mindset and creating a positive mindset, or creating a productive frame of mind or whatever, they're really talking about enacting a lifestyle that helps your neurochemistry, right? So it's like maybe it's just in the delivery of, of how people are trying to get these lifestyle factors or these, these lifestyle changes across, right? Because do I feel shitty because I'm, I have high cortisol or low dopamine or do I feel shitty because I just look at my phone all the time and I, I need to start creating systems so that I don't do that all the time so that my neurotransmitters come back into 
into, you know, alignment. You know what I mean? So it's, it's tough because sometimes you don't really know where it's originating. Yeah. Yeah. Every, well, both, right. It's everything you do creates your mind, creates your brain, right? right? So do I have a particular set of habits that, that I know is creating a positive neurochemical cascade in my brain? That's literally it. So if I'm doing things that I know are creating a shitty response in my brain, like being on my phone, like being inside, like doing things that are stressful uh, in a negative way, or like dwelling on things for a long period of time, that's going to become your default state. Literally, it's like, okay, what five things can I do today that will make me feel awesome and make me feel so confident and make me feel powerful and make me feel courageous, make me feel joyful, right? Make me feel fulfilled. And all those kind of emotions should be embodied make me feel grateful rather than just conscious. Like I want to feel them. I want to embody them. And then we're literally creating this neurochemical response. You can do that with gratitude. You can do it with meditation. You can certainly do it with exercise. And and those are kind of why those things have become foundational in everyone's life is you see all these people who are successful and like, oh, we're, you know, we're really doing well in life. It's not by accident. Like everyone in the world who's successful meditates, everyone in the world who's successful exercises, everyone, most people have gratitude practice and like, gosh, you know, life's just so much better. Well, this is why. And again, like I said, I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel. I just come to this conclusion. I'm sure many, 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 many years after other people, but this is just a, a really simple way for me to explain it to people. It's like everything you do from the food you eat to the thoughts you think, to the phone, to exercise, all are creating some type of neurochemical response in your brain and in your body. And the fact that you can control it is life's greatest gift. It's also life's greatest nemesis, yeah. right? I don't want to say enemy but, or anything negative, but like, because it, it's it's certainly a challenge. It's certainly a challenge to realize like, hey, you're in charge of this. Like you can you can yeah. fix this and you can also really mess yourself up if you go down the yeah, slippery slope. Absolutely. I think I think you have one of your success principles that speaks to this and it's like this is part of it, but a small part of it. Pay attention to the things you say to yourself. Pay attention to the things you say about yourself because that is massive. You know, you see you see these self-help things on Instagram that are like, you know, would you speak to your best friend the way you speak to yourself? But there's there's a lot of truth in that. Like we will we will look in the mirror or we'll yeah. look at our lives or the things we're doing or the things we haven't done yet, and we will shit all over ourselves, <laughs> like verbally, in a way that we would never do to other people. We have so much more understanding and empathy for the people in our lives that we love love than we do for ourselves sometimes. And I think it's worth kind of bringing that back a little bit too. And it's great to work hard and to want to improve and to want to always be better, but you can't improve upon a situation that you have no respect for or love for. You know, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to make anything better? Yeah. So many levels to that. And again, the other one that we posted recently was when it sucks smiles, smile, sorry. And that, you know, Dr. Human said, dude, there's so much brilliance in that because, you know, something he's been quantifying in the lab for years is this idea of like, we're hijacking the dopamine system. System. So if you're getting into in the deepest depths of, of something challenging, you're obviously going to have cortisol and norepinephrine being released. And these are the things that typically cause stress and, and, and uh, cause ultimately adaptations. So there's nothing wrong with stress. It's, you know, how long is it there? Is it there for a good reason? And what he says by, by smiling, maybe, and again, I don't want to quote him on anything, but maybe we are kind of hijacking the dopamine system, meaning when we smile, we're telling our brain there's a reward. And rather than saying, oh my God, this is terrible. This is punishment. Now we're going, hey brain, there's a reward. Oh, I like this. Let's do this again. There's a reward. You know, like, hey, I feel good about this. Or maybe it's like, it's the equivalent of a celebration at the end of a challenge, right? You climb in a mountain. That mountain was terrible. It was very, very hard. Oh yes, I made it, right? It's this, this accomplishment, this celebration. So a similar idea, rather than just kind of letting this negative loop perpetuate, maybe we could see the positive in it and switch it into something that's very useful. So I told a friend of mine that I talk about this a little bit on the podcast. So speaking all on this path of 
children, right? So if you look at children, people are always like, oh, I want my kids to grow up to be great, happy people. And this is, I think, the simplest, or at least maybe this is complex for other people, but the simplest way for me to understand it is all we have to do is find ways to control their neurochemistry. So do I want my child in front of a computer or a video games or a phone all the time? Well, you're going to desensitize the reward system. You're going to mess with the dopamine system, and therefore they're going to need greater amounts of dopamine in the future to achieve any type of reward. Well, that's a big problem. Let's not do that. They need to go outside because they're going to get this whole positive neurochemical cascade of connecting with nature. Okay, let's do that. It's literally just this like do, do not do checklist of like, don't worry so much about the the little stuff. Just worry about creating a great neurochemistry in their brain. And that happens from sleep and that happens from smiling and that happens from play and that happens from complex movement and that happens from joy and comfort and love and you know you get oxytocin when they feel when they feel like they're secure and if we can create this whole neurochemical cascade of things that just deliver a positive neurochemistry nothing in life will stop these people right like people always like i gotta worry my son's gonna be strong or i gotta worry my, my kids are learning like no you don't their brains will learn so fast and so much if you just keep them out of stress if you just keep them out of fear and anxiety and worry and and trying to keep up with everybody else and if you just keep them out of that their brains are just so plastic they're hyperplastic until they're 21 years old so just keep them out of that and then their brains will do exactly what they should and they'll never feel bad they'll always be happy and fulfilled and and, and just full of love and joy because that's the only thing that their brain knows. And it's this idea of uh, like trying to will your way out of, let's say you're, you're, you know, you won't get this as a girl, but maybe, but as a man, your testosterone's, let's say your testosterone's supposed to be somewhere between seven and 900 and it's, it's, let's call it 50. You could will your way out of it all you want and go, I have a positive mindset. I'm strong. You're fucked. Like you understand a chance, right? Like you have to get your, you have to get your hormones to this high level for you to actually function correctly. And I really believe that neurochemistry is the same way. And again, I'm not an expert in this stuff, but this is just kind of what I'm, I'm hypothesizing is they're way stronger signal than just trying to will your way into something, right? So if you have someone who's like, hey, man, you got to have good willpower, like you don't need a chance of having willpower. What you need to do is create a small list of daily habits that allow you to create these positive neurochemical responses in your brain. It's so simple. It's the same stuff we talk about every day, right? But anyways, this has just kind of been my ponderance lately as I dive deeper into understanding um, neurochemistry and ultimately how we can help people shift the way they think, the way they feel, the way they they live. We can do this with the simple things, the gratitude, the meditation, the exercise, smiling, right? Being joyful, being around people you love and eating great quality foods. You don't create stress and inflammation. And there's so many things in my life that have kind of all pointed to this one direction that I'd be stupid or blind to not see it at this point. And I'm so blessed to be able to share it. And hopefully this stuff is valuable to people. Yeah, I think it's I think it's so useful to keep coming back to and keep touching on. And I think another important thing about this, this approach that you're talking about, this way of looking at this challenge, is that you're also taking away some of the stigma around a lot of the negative health issues that a lot of us are dealing with, whether it's dudes who have super low testosterone, who have a hard time talking about that or dealing with that or expressing that, whether it's people who are anxious or have anxiety or have thyroid issues and they have health problems and they're overweight and they feel shitty and they don't want to go to the gym and all of these things. And they think it's just because they're the weak ones or they just aren't, they don't have enough willpower. They just aren't disciplined enough. And there's, there's, there's something to be said for having discipline and working through things and all that stuff. But to look at it, to approach it like this is a chemical thing. This is a neurotransmitter thing. This is a, 
physiology thing. This is something that we can look at pragmatically and hopefully sort of objectively and unemotionally and not look at it like it's a character flaw and look at it as here's here are the steps we can take to start addressing these issues and fixing them, you know, and I think it's really important because no one gets better by being shamed into it, you know, by being told you're weak or you're not good enough or you're not strong enough or you're not smart enough, right? So I think- It's literally that, making it worse, yeah. right? It's literally making yeah, it worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, you don't stand a chance. Life is set up to be that way such that like if you keep thinking about something negative, it's going to perpetuate itself. And people always talk about that, like whatever you think about, you bring more of. Well, that's the reason is because if I'm thinking about something stressful, the reason I bring more of it in is because I'm, I'm perpetuating more stress and cortisol and all these negative hormonal responses, right? And that's, that's not what I want. Like I want to have the positive release of, of I want to feel oxytocin. I want to feel serotonin. I want to feel anandamide and all these other amazing neurotransmitters that are kind of our reward or positive um, neurochemistry. We could just create it. And if you go, if you get that, now your brain's going to go, I want more of that. Let's do more of that, right? Same with exercise. There's a great book I just about halfway through called The Joy of Movement. And we'll get Dr. Kelly McGonigal on here soon. Just talking about that is he, the human brain was, was rewarded in time, evolutionary, for movement, right? So that's why movement is such a positive thing. And, and people think you have to like will yourself into do it or, or it, it's just, no, it, that's just there. Like if your brain is healthy and you're not malnourished or you're not, uh, you know, very sick, if you just move, you will get the positive response from just moving, right? And it's so simple that people are like, oh, it can't be that simple. It's that simple. It's just move. And you're, you will get the positive neurochemistry that you're looking for. And movement can be anything. You know, what I suggest is breathe, walk, meditate to everybody. Breathe. It's the most reflexive thing we do. And walking is the second most reflexive thing we do as humans. And we have to be very good at those before we can create a foundation of health optimization above that. Meditation is exercise for your brain, learning how to control your emotional states and ultimately create your emotional states. And again, sound like a broken record sometimes, but I think it's so simple and it's yet yeah, it, that makes it profound, right? It makes it so profound to, to allow people to realize like everything you need is already right there. Everything you need is already inside you. You just have to get out of the way and stop allowing yourself to go down these negative perpetuating loops keep yourself focused on the things that really, really make a difference. And, and the three things that you could do every single day is breathe, walk, and meditate. And they should be conscious and they should be often and they should be you know, deliberate and maybe even effortful. And maybe there's a sense of urgency involved, meaning uh, like I, I have some objective, like I want to get better at this rather than just arbitrarily. You know, I think when you don't have a sense of urgency, you don't hold yourself to a high standard. So maybe it's like, hey, I want to do this amount by this point. And that's why we're very goal-directed beings. So we want that our brains need urgency. Again, another Huberman brilliant point. So again, so many things that exist within us. And yet we're all seeking the supplement or the seven-day program or the book or like, fuck, it's so simple. It's all right there. And then so there's people teaching, hey, this is how you breathe correctly. Learn that. Like everybody, move heaven and earth to go learn how to breathe correctly because you're not, right? Every time I do a class, I'm looking around and watch people breathe and I can tell by their posture and I can tell by the depth of their breath and we do breath holds and everybody sucks. Everybody's just so bad. And it's not their fault. You've never been taught because people think it's all you just breathe. It's not supposed to be conscious. No, you have to do this thing correctly because otherwise you're literally creating stress in your brain. And again, this is part of the course that we teach here in Australia and Bali and stuff. Like you have to learn to control this thing and here's why, right? This is what happens when you don't. Meditation is so, so simple yet so complex on many levels, but just taking time to be silent and be still and 
B, right? And I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but most people uh, have to do, right? Everybody is attached in the society to doing. Well, being rather than doing is effectively what meditation is, is just existing and being and you know, being present in your body, being present in your mind, you know, just existing and, and thinking about nothing ultimately and, and feeling your breath and feeling your emotions and being present with the way your body feels. That's meditation. The foundation of it is, like I said, this complex, but meditation can be very, very vast. But certainly starting off with the foundation of just be, don't do. If you have to get up, oh, my phone, I have to do this, I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. No, be first, right? If you can be, everything else will be better. Your perception of life will be better. And again, sounds like a rant, I guess, but not the intent. No. I love it. I'm actually, I'm literally making notes right now. I'm such a nerd. I'm making notes. Okay. Uh, on that note, I do have a mindset sort of mental mastery question that was posed on social media that I think is related to the conversation we've been having. And I wanted to ask it. This was sent in by a male individual. And I think it's important to note that because I think when we're talking about emotions and anxiety around fitness, it's a conversation that I think is a little bit easier for women to have because we're more encouraged to talk about our doubts and our fears and things than men are, especially in sort of the world of iron and muscles and being tough, like guys aren't allowed to talk about feeling self-conscious or anxious about things. And with this question, I would ask you to kind of think about maybe not the Ben that you are now, but the Ben that you were maybe when you were competing, right? And you were, as you've said before, really myopically focused on this one goal that you had, right? And the question is from this individual who is a bodybuilder and they're like big into fitness and wellness and being big and all this stuff. And it's kind of fucking up his entire life. Like he's talking about how he's basically obsessed with it, but to a point where he's miserable and he's obsessive and he's like crying in the bathroom at the gym because he's basically just sort of freaking out about not being happy, never being happy with where he is, what he's doing. And his question is how how to move forward in life with fitness and wellness being a part of his life, but not having this obsessive anxiety filled approach to it. Like you can't, he doesn't want to, I guess, quit it cold turkey, but he can't keep going on the way he is. It's a dysfunctional part of his life. So what advice do you have? Jeez. I think we could do an hour long podcast on yep. that, Ash. That's one of those that like rather than me just spewing a bunch of stuff and like I certainly say what comes to mind, but I'd really like to be mindful. Yeah. I'd really like to be mindful of that because I know there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people out there living that reality where, you know, and I, I did the same, right? I don't know if it was, maybe it was to the same extent. It was where you're so discontent with everything you've done because for whatever reason, and I, I don't want to speculate what his reasoning is, right? Maybe it's some level of inadequacy that just everything you do is inadequate, or maybe it's you're not celebrating when you do things that are positively moving in the right direction, but whatever it is, the intention of what you're doing is in the wrong place, right? So we're training because maybe we dislike ourselves or we're training because we're unhappy. So rather than celebrating the body and rather than celebrating your effort and celebrating your discipline, now you're making it a punishment rather than a reward. I get to exercise today. I get to have a great workout with my two of my great friends today. You know, I get to use my legs. My lungs still work. So when I wake up in the morning, Ash is like, you know, I don't even, I told, I talk about this all the time, but I open my eyes, I don't even open my eyes and I smile. 
and I just feel and I go, wow, I actually woke up today. My heart beats in my chest and I do nothing about it. My lungs breathe and I do nothing. I, I don't breathe. They breathe for me. You know, I don't think about moving my hands. I don't even think about my mind. My mind just turns on. I did nothing to deserve that. I could cut myself and I'd, I'd heal and I didn't do anything for that. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Like, I don't have to do anything. It's just there. I get to use these eyes. I get to use this mind. What am I doing to optimize that? Right? I get to use all these body parts and I didn't do anything to deserve them. They just showed up. And I think taking that perspective and taking a, an attitude of gratitude into what you do and going, holy shit, like I get to use these muscles and I'm so grateful that I'm borrowing this meat suit right? I'm borrowing the suit. It's not mine forever. I'm just going to do as much as I possibly can to enjoy this adventure. That perspective for me is powerful, right? Rather than saying, I have to maintain some level of physical fitness. I have to be shredded all the time. I have to train hard. I have to eat really well. Man, no, you don't. You're so blessed. Now, again, Sam Harris, I'll give him full credit for this, offers a meditation that says, what if you died today? What would you give to come back just one more time and to kiss your family or to kiss your children or to you know spend one more day with the people you love? Or what if you lost your legs today? Or what if you lost your ability to walk? What would you do for just one more day to come back? And that perspective, like if you can't feel, I've used this example before, but if you can't feel gratitude after that, something's wrong. Like, let's practice that, right? And I think that perspective for everybody to learn to celebrate this body that we're given, to just take a moment to be present with this body, to love this body, you know, realize that it's transient and it's not here forever. This exact state, very likely for most people, is the best you'll ever be. And hopefully we can continue to make it better, but it's certainly the youngest you'll ever be. And it, you'll certainly never get this moment back. And what am I doing in this moment to just honor the fact that I'm here, the fact that I'm alive, the fact that I can breathe, the fact that I'm looking at the sunshine, the fact that I get to exist in, in this amazing world in the most incredible time in the history of humankind with everything evolving and growing and so much opportunity and abundance. And you know, I just flew the, through the air in a metal tube to go to a different continent and fuck, this is amazing. And if you can't feel that in your soul, that doesn't light your heart on fire, I, I think we need to explore it a little bit more, right? Spend a little more time exploring that. And hopefully, most people can just realize, man, life is amazing. And the fact that you get to work out, the fact that you decide to push your body further than most people ever would, it's another Sam Harris, is 7 billion people would change places with you in an, in an instant. Seven billion people. That's pretty fucking profound. And if that doesn't change your mind in some positive way, again, I don't know the specific scenario this person is experiencing, but um, I hope in some minor way that was perspective for them. And if not, let's let's get a little deeper on that question. You know, Maybe that person can, can give us a voice note. If you head over to muscleintelligence.com slash podcast, you can actually leave us a voice note and we'd love to hear from you. And like, what is it? Like, well, tell me a little bit more about it. And maybe it's a dialogue. Maybe it's a conversation, right? But I don't know. But again, I'm certainly not an expert and I don't want to claim to be giving advice, right? I just want to offer perspective. Hopefully, guys, if that helps, I hope it does. I mean, maybe it's because it's late at night. Maybe it's because I didn't get 
enough caffeine today, but I'm feeling a little emotional from that right now. Don't tell anybody, Ben. (laughs) But that was pretty incredible. Like that was pretty moving for me to hear. And I think that, again, I don't know the details of this man's story either, but I think that 99.9, maybe every single person on the planet can still take something from what you just said, because it's all perspective. Our life is all perspective. Everybody, there's there's billions of people out there with harder lives than us. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of people with easier lives than us. And does it matter? What matters is what you're living in and your reaction to it. And I think that what you're saying, which is having this gratitude for just the wonder of waking up every day and being able to walk through life is pretty incredible. And it kind of puts a lot of the sillier things maybe or the less consequential things that we stress out about in perspective. So yeah, that was amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Ash. So one final thing that I want to mention is something that really made bodybuilding challenging for me was this person may be experiencing this as well. I, I'm actually experiencing this right ex- in this exact moment, and I'll tell you why. Living out of alignment with your values. So, you know, when I was a bodybuilder, I, I loved the idea, or I thought I loved the idea of being the greatest bodybuilder on the planet, but it's such an egocentric drive that it's so selfish. It's only about one person, right? And that, at the time, I didn't think about that. And maybe that's why this person, and I don't know, but maybe that's why... They're not feeling great about it. So most of us who live with some level of anxiety have some misalignment with who they are at their at their soul, right? At their core values. Here's my example, and I'll share it with you guys. I know that my highest value is my family, and I value my children more than anything in the world, and they fill my soul, and I'm on this planet to love them and to be with them every minute. And the fact that I'm here in Australia and they're not rips my soul apart. And then I'm literally like turning to tears right now, but I know I'm out of alignment. I didn't know that until I left. It takes me leaving to feel that. And I hope that I never have to do it again in my life, but I'll tell you what it does. I can't change the scenario. I'm here now. I'm going to be here in the moment and I'm going to be positive and I'm going to love the moment. I'm going to love my experience, but I'm going to cherish every single breath that I have with them, every single second, every single moment, every single smile that I get with those children and when, I, when I'm with them. So that makes me appreciate them, right? So all these people who live with some level of anxiety oftentimes are living out of alignment with who they are at their soul, who they are at their dharma, right? They're, what does your soul say? And, and many people forced are forced into situations where they don't want to be there. Something's out of alignment. And if you feel that, I hope you work toward changing it. And I hope when you are able to change it and work back into what you value most, you can just appreciate it on orders of magnitude, right? So for me, being away from my kids is a blessing and a curse because I I literally have anxiety 23 hours a day. And the only hour that I don't is because I'm on the phone with them and I'm talking to them and telling them how much I love them and I miss them. And it's it's a challenge. And I think many people live with that. and, And I live with that as a bodybuilder this reality that I knew I had something more important planned for me unconsciously. Like my my soul knew there was something bigger to help more people. But yet the only thing I could focus on was this one selfish endeavor. Like this is all about me and I'm the most important thing in the world. And I needed to go through that to realize that it's not the case, right? It's, it's bullshit. Building muscle is fucking awesome, but don't do it because, and, and well, I shouldn't even say it. Don't put everyone else aside while you're doing it, right? It doesn't have to be that way because it's not fulfilling. Just like making money. I can make $100 million in the next five years, but if I, I'm a dick to everybody along the way, 
you're not going to feel good with yourself at the end of it. And that's why 90% of our, maybe exaggerating, but let's say 40% of our population is taking some type of antidepressant, anti-anxiety, sleeping medication, because they can't live with the anxiety of not being kind to people, not being truthful to who they are. When you mistreat other people, when you manipulate other people, I'm not saying that it did, but like, I know I'm thinking about many people who, who do, there's going to be anxiety. There's going to be this internal malalignment with your, with your dharma. So find what your dharma is. You know, that means basically what your soul is meant to do, why your soul is here, whatever fills your soul, fills your cup. And you have to live in alignment with that. Otherwise you will experience fear, anxiety, resentment, inadequacy, because you just can't measure up. Anyways, that may be a little deeper perspective. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people who are listening probably resonate a lot with that. And I know that our listeners like it when you get a little personal and talk about some of the things that maybe you're challenged with or the issues that you're facing. And I have to say, like we talked about this a little bit when you're traveling the world and doing all this cool stuff and everybody else is looking at it like, whoa, you get to go to Bali and you're like, I miss my kids. And I will say, you know, I don't have kids, so I can only offer a different kind of advice. But as somebody who has a partner who's in the military and was in active duty war zones for half of the year, and I know what it's like to be away from people that you love. So I will say, this is a piece of advice that I did give you offline that I know you've, I'm sure you've received and you understand it. But if the reality is that you are going to be away from people that you love, the best thing you can do during that time is, is crush every second that you're away from them and get the most out of it and enjoy it and, and be fulfilled with the work that you're doing and know that you're doing important work too, because your kids also see that. Like they see you doing your work and helping people and changing people's lives. And that's something that's going to inspire them and strengthen them too. So it's it's worth saying that what you're doing is important, even if it does hurt to be away from your kids, right? Yeah. Thanks, Ash. Yeah. And again, it's a challenge, right? Because the reality is in this life, we only get one chance. And I know I wouldn't be fulfilled if I didn't fulfill my souls dharma to impact as many people as possible that being said i feel as though my kids can be part of that i feel like they should be a part of it and i'm working toward building that into my life to where they can come with me and they can see these these positive impacts i'm having they can see how hard i work and how much i love what i do and how much passion i have and you know how much i help sell people selflessly and altruistically and it's never motivated from a negative place and I'm setting my life up so that I can bring them with me. We can homeschool, we can travel, we can have these adventures and ultimately make this amazing life because I don't know how long I'm going to be here, right? And ultimately, I just want to be here, here and now in every moment, as, as you know, Dr. Huberman says, is like, be here, be, be now, not in the future, not in the past. And that's my objective. I'm working towards setting that up as soon as I can. And like I said, they've come with me on all, every trip I've had in the past for the most part since they've been born, many of them. But it's really just lately that this four-week trip is obviously the longest I've ever been away. So it's... It's a challenge. It's a challenge. But as long as every minute that I spend with them and every minute I talk to them, they know that the most important people in my life, and I don't want to get too much into my own personal stuff, but hopefully people understand that it's okay to live out of alignment with your values because it allows you to, to determine what your values are. But when you do live out of alignment, when you get the chance to go back, appreciate it and go, wow, like this, now I know what fills my soul. I know where I should be. And uh, hopefully it's for your soul and not fulfilling someone else's soul. Because I know there's a lot of people out there who are living their life to keep other people happy. And that's not an interesting, good place to live because if you're trying to keep someone else happy, it's certainly a bad place to exist. Like you need to live your dharma and your happiness and your bliss while they live their bliss. And if those two souls are complementary to each other and one plus one equals three, now we have a successful relationship, right? Whereas if people are not living in alignment with their values and their dharma, 
well, that's when things should just end and it shouldn't necessarily be negative. It should just be, hey, you know what? You're doing your thing and I don't ever want to impede that with some negative emotions and I'm doing my thing and I don't ever want you to impede that with some negative emotions. So let's just agree that, you know, we're going to each live our greatest life individual of each other and support each other in every way we can. But, you know, ultimately it, again, it's hard because so many people become dependent and, and the tentacles become deep. I think it's also valuable to acknowledge that you are here on this planet for a short time to live your dharma, live your greatness, impact your soul. And I hope everyone gets to find that at some point in their life. Sometime I'm going to post on social media some pictures, some candid shots from the Tampa muscle camp for people who think that Ben is just always stoic and kind of scary. I have pictures of him with his kids where he just has the biggest smile on his face. And I'm like, there it is. That's all you need. You just need to bring the kids around. And he's just the happiest guy in the world. So I'm going to post those for people who think that you never smile because it's not true. Yeah. I mean, uh, I tend to be mostly business when I'm not with my family. But when I'm with my family, I just, I can't stop. Like smiling is the only thing my face knows how to do when they're around, even when I'm talking on the phone. <laughs> Great, right? So that fills my soul to allow me to go and work harder at everything else that I do. And, and we talk about that, right? Actually, we talk about planning joy, right? Yep. I, I talk to my kids every day, both so I can set their mind in a jo- joyful place and know they're safe and secure and, and, and uh, loved. And mine also, right? Selfishly, like I need to, I need to, or I want to always fill my soul and, and let them know how much joy they bring to me so that I can go out and, as you say, just put the pedal down and, and burn through all the gasoline while I'm not with them. And then I go back and I refill my tank. And yeah, again, certainly not perfect, but certainly a conscious work in progress. All right. Well, this is definitely one of the deeper Q&As we've had, and I'm very grateful for it. And I think that if anyone feels like they just had a mini therapy session, they can just PayPal me what they would normally pay a therapist, send it to me, not Ben, because I need the money more than he does. And we'll see how we'll see how people liked it. <laughs> I just have to end it on a light note because you know it's deep. It's a lot. Thanks, Ash. So normally we'd have a sponsor for the podcast, guys, but there was no sponsor today. We, we certainly have some we could be throwing at you, but hopefully you guys are, are taking time to acknowledge our sponsors because they're, they're truthfully brands that I value and I align with. And we've certainly given shout outs to Bubs in the past, Bubs Naturals, Blue Blocks, Fresh Press Olive Oil, Chili Pad, so many amazing brands that are supporting the podcast that continue to support the podcast. You know, hopefully you guys have supported those brands and tried the products. And if you have, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know how it went. You get Vegemite to, to sponsor us since you're in Australia. Can you bring me some of that home? I can try it. We have some in the fridge. I'm trying to get Milos to eat it, but he hasn't caved yet. Have you tried it? What do you think? Of course. I, I think it's the most disgusting food-like product that exists <laughs> in the world. And I'm pretty open-minded. Worse than Cheese Whiz? That's the American food-like product. And you've never had it, guys? I've never had it. I would love to try it. I have a sneaking suspicion that I might like it because I like things no, other people think are gross. Gosh, I promise. I promise. <laughs> you can't. Like, hey, listen, I'm pretty open-minded to That's stuff. Like, I can look up. Listen, I, I would eat worms, <laughs> bugs, way before I'd eat Vegemite. All right. It's, it's okay. really, really gross. Um, you got to bring some back for the novelty. Of course. You're going to get so much sent to you now, you're oh, in I'm trouble. Gonna get crazy. <laughs> and we're, you know, we're going to shoot a YouTube video of you just doing – and this is how I tried I it. It wasn't like, hey, let's like spread it on some toast. It was like, hey, yeah. tablespoon, go. Of course. I, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I, I almost vomited. You know, like I was, I was gagging. And I apologize if anyone actually likes Vegemite. I just can't imagine anyone liking the taste of this stuff. Okay. I'm really excited now. <laughs> Today's podcast guys, is going to be brought to you by Muscle Intelligence. And we have some programs that we would love to get 
you guys involved with. And you know, as this this content evolves, I'm almost daily now producing content around not just muscle, but everything else that goes into it. So, which is why I'm here in Australia and Dubai and Bali doing these camps. We've also got one in the UK. We've now just announced one in Ireland and all those are available at musclecamps.com if you want to come and and chat about this stuff and maybe learn a little bit more about all of the things that go into building your greatest body. And that does include mindset and that does include stress management. That does include sleep optimization and mindset and your environment and obviously training and nutrition up there as well. So if you're interested, uh, musclecamps.com is a place to go. We do still do have some spots left and I would love to have all of you guys join. I know space is obviously limited, you know, time is limited, but we do do our best to keep the group small so that we can give everyone individual time and attention so that you leave there feeling like you are now on the path to whatever it is you're objectively trying to do, whether it's losing fat, building muscle, or just being more joyful and happy. We talk a lot about that too. So I appreciate each and every one of you tuning into the podcast. And as I said, like that gratitude that I feel every day when I realize what I get to do and I tell everyone I've never worked a day in my life and um, I just get to learn and connect with incredible people and just get to talk to you every week, Ash. And I'm so blessed to have wonderful people in my life. Hopefully everyone can be so blessed as to live their dream and never work a day in their life. And I get a lot of people say, I have to, you don't. We can certainly start working toward when when you have a passion for something, regardless what it is, people will start to pay you because of your passion. And there's a podcast I did on the old Muscle Expert podcast with Phil McKernan. And I suggest everybody go listen to that because it was very, very impactful. I'd actually like to get him back on, Ash, if you want to make that happen. Yeah. I think all the listeners yeah. would love to hear Phil McKernan. He's an Irish guy. I'm going to Ireland in April. Actually, he lives in Boulder, Colorado. So if we get him on, I'd love to, love to, love to, love to speak to him again soon, helping people find their passion and get rid of the bullshit stories to tell themselves as to why they can't. We're changing the world, guys. Screw this bullshit nine to five living inside the box stuff. Let's all get outside, find our dharma, get uncomfortable and find our greatness. So for myself and the amazing Ashley Van Houten, Ash, sorry for keeping up so late. I appreciate you staying here. I'm signing off from Sydney, Australia. Have an amazing day, ladies and gents, and live your greatest life in a body you love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.